Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Hello, Gotham. Joker's back in town. I'm not wearing hockey pants. And now you're listening to the new and improved Outside the Comics Volume 2 podcast with your host, Alfred. No! What is going on, OTC listeners? Another episode of Outside the Comics Volume 2 Podcast is in your life today. A few days away until the new year, January 1st, 2022. You know what's funny? I've been watching a lot of memes recently, and I'm sure you probably know about this, but if you don't, there was that, I, I believe there was the, um... There was one top, there was a guy that says, oh, hey, it's 2022. And at the very bottom, it says, oh, it's 2022, as in T-O-O, which means we are not getting rid of this bullshit anytime soon that it started in 2020. But, but we made it this far in terms of just working as best we can, getting through the virus, getting through COVID, getting through the mask mandates, getting through all this other bullshit, and we still do what we need to get done, watching movies, uh, performing, acting, voiceover, fucking, you know, your jobs, or whatever the case may be. We do what we can in order to ensure that we still keep doing the damn thing. I know I keep saying the same thing over and over, but guess what? It don't matter because you know that it's true. You know that it's true. Whatever the case, I'm sure that you've had a New Year's resolution coming up. And I'm a person that doesn't really believe in New Year's resolutions. Well, I do and I don't. I know it's kind of contradictory for me to say that. I do and I don't because it's one of those moments where when you make one and if you don't follow through with it, it's really hard to literally like truly, truly get engaged in something, especially when it takes dedication and action. And I remembered I posted a video on LinkedIn, on my LinkedIn profile at one point, and I said that we don't mind, we as in people, as in, you know, human beings and society, we don't mind doing hard work we just hate the idea of doing it does that make sense like we don't mind doing what we got to do in order to like pay the bills or doing our passion or whatever but actually getting to that point like actually thinking about getting to that point is something that we absolutely despise and a lot of cases this caused things like procrastination and this caused things like you know, putting it off and, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. Tomorrow's another day, you know, and that's why it's hard for a lot of us because I know I suffer from this too from time to time. A lot of us has problems in order to do the things that we what, that we really want to do. I'm getting tongue-tied here. But for me, I feel like if you just write it down and you grab like a notebook, something that you carry with, something that you open, something that you see almost every single day, maybe it's that first step. And all it takes, and like I said, I remember posting this video before, maybe just do it for like five minutes. Five minutes. Just do it for five minutes, whatever it is that you want to do, for five minutes. And then you'll see how much you get done. And by the time those five minutes are up, you're automatically going to be doing it, and then you'll be finishing it more and more and more. So maybe for my resolution, even though I kind of agree with it and I kind of don't, Aside from booking more work, doing voiceover more, and trying to see what I can do to get things done, I want to market myself more. I want to put myself out there a lot more. I know I've said that tons and tons of times this past year, but with everything that's been going on, and I'm trying my best not to use excuses. 
I'm really trying my best here. But for me, I feel like, you know what? Just do the damn thing. Stop talking about it. Just do it. Write it down. And every time when I look back on it, I know that it still has to be something that needs to be, that needs to be done. Maybe you're like me. Maybe you have a lot more willpower than me. Maybe you, have, you are way more disciplined than me. That's fine. To each their own. To each their own. But that's, in a way, what I want to talk about since the new year is coming around the corner. And I'm not going to say new year, new me. I, I hate that saying. I re- Oh, it's a, it's a new year, new me. 2022 is going to be my year. Fuck that. I hate that saying. <laughs> I hate that saying because, you know, something that can always happen that's beyond our control. And it's one of those moments where it's like, okay, it is what it is. It is what it is. And now beating around the bush, we are here for the top 10, as I said, the top 10 comic book superhero movies of 2021. And uh, oh my goodness, it's it's one of those moments where I kept switching numbers around and I was trying to see what other people would say, but I'm ranking them based on my enjoyment level. And there will be some controversy there will be some controversy. It's okay. It's okay. But you know what? At the end of the day, it's my list. Maybe you agree with it. Maybe you don't. But with that, we're we're going to have fun with this. We're going to have fun with this. I'm probably going to be ranting like I always do. I'm probably going to be shitting on something like I always do. I'm probably going to be praising something like I always do. At the end of the day, it is my list. So before we get to that point, let's talk a couple of news, a couple of things that's been, you know, hitting the little uh, marks you know, a little bit of a blip every now and then. And first and foremost, you know, I want to say that I gave this a shout out before. I'm going to say it again. With Spider-Man No Way Home, I'm still thinking about it. It is the highest grossing film of 2021. It literally took a week and a half for it to cross a billion dollars at the global box office. My friends have already gone seeing it. Everyone that I know has already gone seeing it. And now it's just full spoilers on everything. Oh my goodness, it's such a magnificent movie, and it's still it's still hard for me to see or to point out if it surpasses Spider-Man 2, because Spider-Man 2, and I'm trying not to use nostalgia, but Spider-Man 2 has a, like a warm place in my heart, and yet I look at this movie, and even though it has a couple of flaws, it's one of those moments where it's like, I don't care. Like, that's how much I loved it, especially seeing the three of them together. But it's magnificent. It really is. And now there has been some rumblings where Tom Holland can come out of nowhere, literally go to Disney and be like, listen, I starred in many of your films so far. We made a shitload of movie and I starred in this film that clearly made over a billion dollars, not only for you, but for Sony as well. (laughs) you know what that means Tom Holland can now demand a raise and he should be paid as much whatever he asked for they need to do it they need to do it if you are an entrepreneur or if you are a person that works for yourself and you have your own business and you know that your work speaks for itself why not take advantage of that why not try to uh not overvalue but value yourself to a point where you know you should earn more that you should get more now this is completely different from the black widow situation oh no no, this is completely different okay i'm saying with tom holland dude get your money the only flip side of the coin to that is 
is Disney going to play ball? Because they could just come out of nowhere and be like, well, we could give this to you, but we'd rather pay you the same rate and let Sony deal with another possible Spider-Man, possibly Andrew Garfield, and see what happens with that. Chances are that's not going to happen because they've already given the green light to do three more films with Tom Holland. And if they want to keep him, which they will, they're going to have to give him whatever he asked for. Or at least compromise. Because Tom Holland does not seem like a greedy... I've never met the guy, but Tom Holland does not seem like a greedy guy to me. So, I'm just saying, take, take advice, maybe take lessons or whatever. Get your money. Get your money. Little, a lot of little things have been going on. Norman Reedus, I forgot what's his name in um, The Walking Dead. The guy that shoots the, uh, you know, the arrow, the shooting arrow, the crossbow. There's rumors that there's a chance that he could be the MCU's ghostwriter. Which is kind of interesting to me because if they... I don't really remember if Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. the TV show is canon to the MCU... But didn't they already have a ghostwriter in that series? And if that's the case, is this going to be a new ghostwriter? I know we've had plenty of ghostwriters in the comics. I think there was like three or four of them. So this is not going to be anything new. But I'm just saying, you got to tread lightly when it comes to things like that. Because the last thing you want is for someone to try to put the pieces together. And then all of a sudden it's like, wait, I kind of, I've seen him before. So what 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 exactly is going on so it is what it is to that point another little thing that come to my attention and don't worry we'll get to the meat of the podcast so be patient be patient kevin smith and i literally tweeted about this i think this morning kevin smith he said that his his dream scenario since he's a massive batman fan for the flash to have christian bale return alongside the batman actors so alongside you know not Robert Pattinson's Batman, but Ben Affleck's Batman and Michael Keaton's Batman. As great of an idea that is on paper, I'm here to tell you as a big Batman fan myself, that's a terrible idea. And here's my reason why. When the Spider-Men came together, it was something that was 20 years in the making, as me and Rod and many other people have already discussed. We've already went to the threshold of having multiple Spider-Man together ever since, no, even way before the Into the Spider-Verse animated film from Sony Pictures. We've already read comics that featured all of them together, if not different variations of Spider-Man, okay? And the reason why it worked is because the context and the story made it work themselves. Having multiple Batman together doesn't really work. It doesn't really work. It doesn't have the same emotional punch that the Spider-Man had. You know what I mean? Like, you can disagree with me. It's fine. But it doesn't really have the same weighted value like we've had with the Spider-Man films. So imagine you had Christian Bale and Michael Keaton and Ben Affleck. Okay, you have three Batman in the same room. Three types of Bruce Waynes. So the fuck what? Like, so what? You can have a scenario where maybe in the Injustice storyline where you can have two Batman going up against each other. I would I would rather have two of them go against each other, one with different ideologies, because if you remember from the games and from the comics, 
one of the Batmans, Lord Batman, from the Injustice storyline, he agreed that maybe with what he is doing, and this is from the Batman Beyond. If if you're a comic book reader, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But there was a section in Batman Beyond. Um, it was the future storyline, and there was also an animated episode where the Justice Lords came in and both Batman were facing off against each other. And because they both had d- different ideologies where one of them is like, listen, you've gone too far. You've forgotten what it means to be Batman. And he goes, no, you listen. We've made a world where no eight-year-old boy ever has to lose his parents because of a punk with a gun. And that made the original Batman drop his guard and finally got to see his point of view. I'd rather see a movie that has that than all three of them together or three or more of them together based on shock value, based on, oh my God, yes, we got all three of them together. But there's no context to that. There's no story to that. You know what I mean? So I guess what I'm trying to say is I partially, partially believe Kevin Smith knows what he's talking about and he has way more knowledge about this than I do, but it has to make sense. You can't do it, especially right after the Spider-Men literally just finished having their movie. You you just can't. And let's be honest here. Remember what happened the last time when DC copied off of Marvel? What happened? Everything just went straight downhill. So the last thing you really want to do is copy off of what your fellow studio competitor has done and try to do the same thing yourself with no actual story behind it even if it is a story it may not be good enough what i just mentioned is good it's decent it's it's perfect so again i partially believe kevin smith i kind of see his point of view but it's unnecessary right now and it's just going to come off like you're just being another cheap carbon copy off of what marvel has done I'm already 15 minutes into this. Holy shit. Like, <laughs> I didn't think that I was going to rant on and on about what I wanted for New Year's resolution. I feel like I should have saved that for Friday. But, hey, th- this is what we do. This is what we do. There's, I've already gave my shout-outs. We might as well go right into it. You know, let's go for our top 10 comic book superhero movies of 2021. And that comes right in a bit. have to remind you guys that this is my personal list and I'm doing it from worst to best. Maybe you can let me know in the comments in terms of what you think your list would be. I'd be happy to let you guys, you know, maybe we can talk about it eventually in the future. But for right now, this is my list. Top 10, even though there's only 10 comic book movies of 2021, superhero movies of 2021, because not all of them are comics. And here we go. Coming at number 10, we have Thunder Force from Netflix. There is a reason why I did not review this movie at all in the middle of the year. I saw it 
And I'm thinking to myself, what the fuck did I just watch? It was worse than what I anticipated. I I felt like those were an hour, close to two hours of something that I will never, ever get back. It is essentially a movie where two people got superpowers and now they're trying to be superheroes. Funny, it's an interesting concept that's been done many, many times. Well, guess what? When you got Melissa McCarthy in it for some weird reason, I don't understand, and I get it. Comedy is subjective. I understand that. And I shouldn't be hating on someone, especially when I don't believe them to be funny and other people believe them to be funny. But for whatever fucking reason... You got Melissa McCarthy coming in and she's essentially Tammy with superpowers. She's not funny. This movie was an abysmal. It, oh, it was so bad. Oh my God, it was so bad. And the fact that it had superpower superheroes in it. I'm thinking to myself, what the fuck did I just watch? Oh my goodness, like... If you just want to see like constant slapstick humor, the jokes that didn't go anywhere, the 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 message that they're trying to spend out, uh, it's it's just wrong. It's it's bad. Oh my god, it's bad. It you know you know what's interesting to me? It's funny that I know there are hundreds, if not thousands, of people out there in the world right now that are busting their ass to get their foot in the door to go to Hollywood or at least let their work be known, not for money, but for passion. It, like, they dedicate their heart, blood, sweat, tears, pour hours and hours, amounts of content into their story, into their script writing, just to try to see that maybe someone anyone could look at them and give them some positive reinforcement for them to continue on and for them to be great writers and for them to do whatever they could. And then when you get a movie like this, just to cash in on the superhero trope and the superhero trend that's been going on for the past 10 years, it's a slap in the face to everyone that is a true comic book fanatic. This movie was abysmal. It should not have happened. I don't even want to discuss the plot because, you know, it, mm, mm, it, it's bad. It's bad. If you want to go see it, if you have no idea what it is that I'm talking about, look up Thunder Force on Netflix. I don't know if it's still there. Probably not. I don't give a shit. You look it up. Go go rent it on Amazon. Go spend 3 or $4 to rent it on Amazon. And I promise you, by the time that you get, grab a drink, you play a game, grab a drink, okay? Grab a drink. Go with a friend, right? And play a drinking game. And whatever you think that something is going to be that's trying to be funny and you don't laugh, take a sip. And I promise you, you'll probably go to the hospital from alcohol poisoning. It's that bad on how it was. Melissa McCarthy, just stop. Coming at number nine. I want to do what Jeremy Johns does. Sorry, Jeremy. I'm going to take your thing. Just, just for this once. Or many times. Number nine. At number nine, we have Eternals. Ooh, wow. I had no emotion going into this movie. I had less of an emotion coming out of this movie. I wanted this to be my number 10. I really did. But this, 
Thunder Force just, you know, knocked it out of the park, in my opinion. Eternals was a movie that, like many people, we had no idea what to expect. And the amount of stuff that they were just putting in from... Oh my goodness, the the constant characters and the, you know, the fact that it was banned in other countries because of, of a gay kiss and the fact that it kept on focusing on free will and it focused on, uh, on, on this idea that, oh, these celestials are going to come and these eternals are essentially demigods, but they get resurrected every few hundred years and now this little girl that wanted... It was too much. It really was. And the fact that they made so many Superman references and it... The only thing that I really cared about in this movie was seeing Rob Stark and Jon Snow in the same scene. And what disappointed me more is the fact that Jon Snow didn't do jack shit. They saved it for a sequel bait. They put it in the mid credit scene because he's going to be the Black Knight and possibly they're going to go off with something from there. I, this movie, I was bored shitless. I kid you not, I was fucking bored. This is one of those rare moments where I absolutely agree with the harsh critics from Rotten Tomatoes. I don't know how this got over 80% on the audience score, but I can honestly say the 30-40% that's in the Rotten Tomato score, I 100% agree with. This was, this was a boring movie. Now, is it the worst MCU movie that I've ever seen? No, but it's definitely among the bottom, and it's the bottom for my list. Coming at number eight, we have Injustice, the animated movie. I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. As soon as I found out that they were going to make a 70-minute film, um, not even a film, I'm sorry, that's that's an insult to art films, a 70-minute animated movie where they were going to try to fit five issues, five series of an actual comic series of the Injustice storyline from the games and the comics and fit it all into a 70-minute movie, I knew there would be problems. I, I just I just knew there would be problems. There were so many details that was missing. The the core essence of what made Superman become who he was and the aftermath of what it followed, it, it didn't have a soul. It didn't have essence. It, it didn't have anything for that matter. Because you got Lord Superman. I keep saying Lord Superman, even though that's what he is in the Batman Beyond comics. You know, you got Lord Superman. You got evil Superman. And the main battles, it didn't have... The the actual, I know I'm jumping around here a little bit, but I'm trying to calm myself down here. The main plot device and the plot point of the kryptonite pills that was used in the games once or twice, referenced in the games and in the comics, but mostly in the comics, non-existent, none whatsoever. Okay, you you don't bring the other, you bring the other Superman only until the very last ending. You bring Lois Lane, which I will admit was an interesting twist at the end. A very interesting twist. That's all you get. That's all you get. And then you have these concepts where all of the main battles that the Justice League were supposed to face off against. It didn't have the battle against Olympus. It didn't have the battle against the Atlanteans. It didn't have the battle against the Green Lanterns. It didn't have even have the battle against the Justice League Dark members. None of that. And then you include all these other characters 
that you didn't even give a voice to. I there was one scene where Batman was with his team, Harley Quinn and Catwoman and someone else that I forgot. And you had Huntress in it, Green Arrow. And then you had Huntress in it. But she didn't do shit. She didn't say anything. And I'm like, what the hell was the point of that? And of course, you know, oh my, it's it's just, just no. Just, just no. Just no. Number seven. At number seven, we got Black Widow. So, I thought about it for a while. And I really wanted this movie to be a little bit higher only because that I love, absolutely love Yelena. I love Florence Pugh's performance considering she is, a lot of people, New Bay. But when it comes to a spy movie and when it comes to a movie that should have been made all those years ago during the early developments of Marvel Phase 1 or even Marvel Phase 2 when Black Widow got into the mix, she should have had her own movie way before then. Not a prequel, not a midquel, but an actual story. Maybe we can focus a little bit more on what the hell happened in Budapest. Maybe we can focus a little bit on the backstory of what actually happened when she went through the turmoil of being Black Widow. That would have been very epic. But instead, we got all of this mess of some guy that's controlling the Black Widows and he's up in the sky. And now you just have this moment where Black Widow, Natasha Romanoff, you know, and again, the problem is we've already seen her death. So whatever happened to her in this movie didn't really mean anything. She's going to live to go into the next phase in her life, which is joining the Avengers in time for Infinity War. So essentially, this is just a movie to explain and reveal that there are hundreds, thousands of Black Widows out there that needs to be freed. And essentially passing on the torch from Black Widow, Natasha Romanoff, to Yelena. There could have been tons of ways that you could have executed this in a variety of amount of ways. And no, I do not agree that this would have surpassed a billion dollars to the global box office. But at the same time, I say that and Captain Marvel surpassed a billion dollars and that was a shit movie. So who the hell am I to say? But Black Widow, definitely at the bottom for me, no doubt. It, it is what it is. Let's just move on. Number six. I kid you not, guys. I was switching number five and number six multiple times. I was trying to judge it from a technical standpoint. Or I was trying to judge it from an entertainment standpoint. But after much more reasoning. And after going it over and over in my head. And I've said this many times. So I'm going to say it again. Number six. Venom. Let there be carnage. This movie would have done way better if this was rated R. I don't give a fuck if you are sick of me saying that. And I'm going to continue to say it until I'm blue in the face. This movie would have been way better if it was rated R. For some weird reason, I don't know if it was the director, the writers, or the studio. They did not grasp how Carnage is supposed to be. Including Cletus Cassidy. The real Cletus Cassidy in comics and in games... Even if he did have a love interest, he would have been way more sadistic than what this movie has given us. Instead, this movie was trying to play it off like he was some kind of sympathetic figure, but they don't show us anything that made us see that. They don't have they they have one drawing scene. That's it. It, it was basically a kid's drawing. And 
in the madness of him, we're supposed to play it off like, well, he's insane. He's this guy. I still believe they, they miscast. Um, I, I still truly believe they miscast um Cletus Cassidy. I really did it. Like I instead of being um, you know, uh Harrison, I still wanted it to be uh Cameron, I forgot his last name, uh Monahue, uh Mana something from the Gotham series. I feel like he could have been the per he was a great joker. He could have been a, a perfect Cletus Cassidy, but who am I to judge? Anyway, the movie did nothing in terms of building up to what it was supposed to be. It could have been way better and it wasn't way better as much as what it was. But at the same time, why is it in the middle of my list is because I did enjoy the little moments. I did enjoy the moments where Eddie had with Venom, the breakup scene where they split apart. I found that funny, but then when Venom was going from body to body and then going into a night rave, I'm like, Okay, well, what are we doing here? And then the fight scene, awesome, but it was very short. Carnage, voice, is supposed to be very high pitch. She-Venom should have gotten way more screen time than just Anne being there. Again, there could have been more moments and there could have been better moments in terms of why this movie should have been better than what it was, but it wasn't. We got what we got. Although, I will admit, if they, release a, if they released a rated R version... I guarantee you, I would be first to get it, and it could be way higher up on my list. But for right now, it's sitting in the middle of the pack at number six. Here we go. Number five. At number five, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. I get it, I get it. This should have been way higher. A lot of people loved it. I thought it was okay. I loved the martial arts. I love the fact that it focused on a different character. This was a movie that I really wanted it to not feel like an MCU film. This was a movie that I really wanted it to stand on its own. And a lot of people were shitting on it before then. I wasn't. I was trying to give it a chance, which I'm glad that I did. And everything was good. Some of the jokes were a little bit flat, honestly. And the best friend who I think now the main actor said that he that she is going to be a love interest which I personally don't see I think they would have been way better as best friends he doesn't really need a love interest I feel like the movie could have been focused a little bit better if it was the father against brother and sister instead of just being the son you know what I mean like I I really wanted both of them to have some kind of much more of an emotional impact going up against the dad. Now, I like that they what they did with the Mandarin, very sympathetic, and he had reasoning to do what he did. And that little plush thing with the wings and no head, it was that was cute. I will admit that was fucking cute. But then the third act, the mystical dragon, and there was a lot of editing choices that I couldn't really follow where everything was. It just went way haywire, and I'm like, oh, yeah, of course, MCU movie. Yeah, of course. But I did enjoy it. Maybe not as high as other people. I still enjoyed it nonetheless. And for me, it ranks on number five. Number four. 
Number four is an interesting one because I'm combining two movies into one considering the fact that this was Amazon's way in order to get more money from us but I'm completely doing it as one movie. Batman The Long Halloween. The animated movie part one and two. And like I just said, I'm combining them together. This movie was great. This movie was... These movies, I'm sorry. These movies were great. It was Batman the Animated Series modernized in terms of how it is today. And it definitely makes you feel that it focused way more on the villains and it got you, the audience member, to try to uncover the mystery in terms of who the villain was. If you've never read the comic, this was an actual... This was a great way for you to try to follow the story in terms of how everything got portrayed. At the same time, it's a different adaptation in terms of what the comic was. This is Batman being green. This is Batman not fully realizing that he should be or is going to be a detective yet. He's still new at what he does, which makes him more vulnerable and it makes him much more... It makes him work much more harder in terms of solving the case of who was the holiday killer. And that's something that I have to respect, especially when it comes to a DC, to a DC dark environment like this. I said before many times that DC needs to go dark, and if they're going to go dark, fucking go all the way. The DC animated movies, I feel like, is their bread and butter. I do understand the animated universe, however... Did not really end on a high note, but they do have great moments every now and then where they can shine, and this is definitely one of them. The voice acting was spectacular, the animation was spectacular, the, the production was spectacular, the twist was spectacular, everything was just great. And it's why I now own both of them on Amazon Prime, and it's why I'm reading the comic now. And... Maybe in the new year, I'll review a little bit more on comics as I do with movies and TV shows. Number three. Number three, we got Zack Snyder's Justice League. This was a movie that was highly anticipated for so long for so many reasons. And after seeing it, I realized, you know what? Josh Sweden, what the hell did you do? What did you do? From the editing standpoint and taking out chunks and chunks of the movie to give us what we got all those years ago, even though it was like two or three years ago, it four years to be exact, it was it was a crime against humanity. Zack Snyder definitely knew what the fuck he was doing, and after the tragic loss that he's had with his daughter. And Warner Brothers not giving him a chance to redeem himself after Batman v Superman. He gave us this and it was spectacular in and of itself. Now, four hours is a lot. And there are times where it does slightly drag on just a little bit. But every scene that's happened is there for a purpose. And it makes you realize that this movie could have done spectacular. I keep on saying that word spectacularly. It could have done amazing if it was just what it was four years ago and we would not have gotten to where it is today. It bothers me, however, that other directors like David Ayer with Suicide Squad, not the Suicide Squad, but 
the first one from 2016, it bothers me that now directors are going to be like, well, we want to do our uh, director's cut too. We we were, you know, we, we, we had something that could match up to this. No, stick, no, nobody's asking for that. We've been asking for this for so long and we got what we got. Dark Side looked menacing. The Justice League looked awesome. The motivations were clear. Superman with his black suit looked fucking awesome. There's no shitty CGI fucking fake mustache and shit. Everyone was on point. The color correction was great. The 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 ending. Oh my god, the fact that they actually lost and they got Flash to do what he does to turn back time? What? Dude, this was a f- great fucking movie. But because it was four hours long and because that we've already seen the movie before and that they give us a post credit scene, which in a way doesn't really lead to anything that much, is why this is number three in my list and not number one or two. So let's move on. Numero dos. At number two, we got the Suicide Squad. James Gunn. God damn, I don't know what it is with it. He has this aura. He has this magnificent talent to take characters that a lot of people don't know and make them likable, make the story funny, relatable, and just heartwarming all in one basket. The fact that he directed the Guardian of the Galaxy movies and then he came to DC after some bullshit that he wrote from Twitter over 10 years ago and the woke culture decided, oh, we can't have that in our studio. You know what? You're fired. And then DC is like, well, why don't you come to us? I mean, we can help you with that. And then what did he do? He created this magnificent thing and Disney was like, well, we'll do Wait a minute, we'll, we, we went off on the wrong foot. Why don't you just come to us and everything will be fine. What, what, what do you want? You want money? I'll we'll give you some money. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking on how the conversation went. This movie was spectacular. Again, I'm using that fucking word. I'm sorry. This movie was great. It was amazing. Like, like I said, funny, heartwarming, bloody, everything. I'm a sucker for dark humor. If you haven't noticed that about me, I really am. And I loved King Shark. I actually liked Harley Quinn. I loved not Deadshot, Bloodsport. I loved every... John Cena, oh my god. A peacemaker, and the fact that he's getting his own show early next year. You know, Peacemaker, a douchebag, Captain America. That's exactly what he should have been all those years of professional wrestling. And we got exactly that in movie form. And then you got Starro, the kaiju, and all those... The rats, I understand, maybe would have been a little bit too much for a lot of people, but... Come on. I I forgot his name. Sebastian? I'm I'm pretty sure it's Sebastian. You know, and the Rat Queen and all those... Oh my god, this movie was awesome. It really was. I watched it four times now. And that is back on HBO Max. God damn. This movie was a treasure. James Gunn definitely got what he got into got what he got he did awesome for this movie and uh, oh my goodness it was amazing it really was number one this was a no-brainer you know it i know it 
And I'm going to repeat it until I'm blue in the goddamn face. Spider-Man No Way Home is my number one. Bringing all three Spider-Man together, Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, Tom Holland, they're now essentially brothers because now they actually understand what makes this character who he is. And the fact that you had a compelling story, it's not just for nostalgia, but the fact that they had a compelling story and bringing all the villains together and we had the magnificent fights and everything. And me and Rod, we spoke about this from tooth and nail. And this movie was just fucking awesome. Even though there were a couple of flaws that I had, and I'm not going to go into that again, but this movie... Like Spider-Man 2 from 2004, it depicted on what it means to be Spider-Man. The core essence of realizing that no matter how much good you do and how great you can be, there are always consequences to your actions. And the fact that Spider-Man can give up so much and sacrifice so much and still ends up alone, but he must always do the right thing. And this movie did wonders and greatly. At the sense of me trying not to get canceled, but I have to speak about this. I have to speak my mind. The actress for Aunt May, I believe her name is uh, Miss Tomei. I forgot her first name, but it's Miss Tomei, the, the actress that played Aunt May. She was like, oh, Aunt May should get a lesbian. Uh, we should have gotten a lesbian. No, no. I said it before my last podcast episode, I don't like change. Get another character. If you want a lesbian couple, get another character, someone completely different. Give them a love story that's lesbian or gay or whatever. Don't don't make... No. No. There's no need for that. No. I don't like change. I'm not a hater for lesbians. I don't hate the LGBTQ community. But you cannot take characters that we've known for so long and then instantly change them just to spread the message. Like, stop. Stop doing that. I'm so glad that they did not do that. And this movie was awesome, amazing, spectacular. And it is my number one. And that's it, guys. Oh, good God. We've gotten to this point. I know I've rented on other things that was a little bit longer than what it was. But if you if you need me to do a recap... I will repeat, repeatedly say it from bottom to top. Number 10, Thunder Force. Number 9, Eternals. Number 8, Injustice. Number 7, Black Widow. Number 6, Venom Let There Be Carnage. Number 5, Shang-Chi and Legend of the Ten Rings. Number 4, Batman The Long Halloween. Both films. Number 3, Zack Snyder's Justice League. Number 2, The Suicide Squad. Number 1, Spider-Man No Way Home. And that is my top 10, ranking top 10 superhero movies of 20. 21. And that is all we have for this episode of Outside the Comics Volume 2 podcast. Let me know what is your list. I'm curious to know where where you rank movies. Maybe you don't have a top 10. Maybe you have a top 5. Whichever the case may be, whatever it is, you know what to do. Hit me up, Voice of Garcia on Twitter and Instagram. We do what we do and what we do best. We can talk about anything you want. We can have a discussion. We can have a disagreement. We can have. We can even have a debate. We can do anything you want. Just let me know. And we can schedule for something for a future episode. 
I don't want to do a superhero quote or supervillain quote because I said what I said in the early, in the beginning of this podcast episode. And I just want you guys to just take care and just keep doing the damn thing. Write it down. Have some goals, realistic goals, small ones. And you'd be surprised of how much you can conclude, how much you can finish within the next year. I'm doing it myself and I'd be happy. I'd be happy if you shared this with me and I'll gladly share my life with you. Tune in Friday, New Year's Eve, where we will talk about the ranking eight, not 10, eight comic book shows of 2021. This has been a hard list for me to make, but by Friday, I should have everything down pat. And there's going to be a lot of controversy in terms of what I'm going to say. But you know what? I am who I am, and that's the best of it. As of right now, we are done. We are through. As always, when it comes to comic book movies, games, news, whatever the case may be, always remember, if you hear about it and you read about it, I talk about it, controversial or otherwise. Stay safe. Till next time. I'm done. I'm through. Peace out.